This is Chris. Welcome to episode 343 of X-Lapsed, where I want to apologize for not having an episode out yesterday. I really had the best of intentions in doing uh, several of these in a row, but uh, I'm at the uh, point in the illness here where, I mean, anybody who's had a flu or just a bad cold is, can probably relate to this, where you get to that point where your body's trying to uh, kind of get everything out. So it's been... Pretty constant death rattleish cough, you know, for the past, uh, you know, 24, 36 hours, whatever the hell it is. But uh, I tried. I tried putting out the show. I tried doing a uh, recording here. I was actually supposed to do an episode of a Weird Dose of X for a Weird Science, but there was just no way that I could uh, actually, you know, have a uh, discussion with somebody and maintain editing and keep sound quality up. It was just not. I couldn't do it alone, so there's no way I could have done it with a, with a partner, unfortunately. But here we are. <laughs> we are back. Um, you know, as I was attempting to record this yesterday, it's like uh, I realized I was doing an issue of Marauders, which didn't really help matters. Um, you know, up to this point, uh, we've only been you know back for a couple of episodes now, but both of the books we've discussed have been... Um, I've received them quite well. I enjoyed them both. But that, uh, well, that streak kind of comes to a close. You're not to put the cart before the horse or nothing, but, uh, yeah, let, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Today we are talking about Marauders Volume 2, Number 1. It's had a June 2022 cover date. The story's called Extinction Agenda. So, uh, I guess Hickman being gone hasn't ended the fetish of reusing old X-Men story names, no matter how unrelated they might be to the story we're being told. Written by Steve Orlando, art by Eleonora Carlini, colors Matt Miller, letters VCs Ariana Marr, designs Tom Muller, edits Amaro White Sabolski, cover price $5. This one went on sale April the 6th of 2022. And now it's been a minute since the last time we took a look at an issue of Marauders, right? Um, we looked at the annual. You know, that was the last time we looked at an Orlando Marauders ditty, right? And during that discussion, I, I mentioned this a few times, I think I read the story wrong, because I spent a lot more time kind of lost in the weeds talking about the concept of radical chic than the actual story. And under that context, you know, of it being uh, a commentary on the concept of radical chic, I found that I actually enjoyed the story far more than I assumed that I would. Of course, I also assumed that I was reading it incorrectly. Uh, this issue is going to be, well, a little bit different. Now, our cover features our new team of marauders, minus one, all posing dramatically. 
And, you know, I'll hand it to him for not spoiling the final member, even though, you know, our wonderful comics press and the social media stooges did not hesitate to ruin it for all of us just as soon as they could. Okay, to the story. We open in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, where the Marauders rescue a mutant called Fever Pitch. Now, you know, here's a thing that I'll kind of give Orlando. He's willing to dredge up some real obscure characters. I mean, even though none of them actually have any heart or soul, it's clear that he's at least done, like, a random page search on the Marvel Wiki. And it's kind of sad that that makes him stand out compared to many current-year writers. All right, so Fever Pitch. Who is, what is, what is Fever Pitch? Now, Fever Pitch first appeared in Generation X number 50, February 1999 cover date created by Jay Ferber and the Dodsons. Now, this was the War of the Mutants crossover between Gen X and X-Men, which absolutely sucked. Um, It had to do with Marrow's old running buddies, the Gene Nation, who also absolutely sucked. And uh, Fever Pitch was one of them. Uh, During the uh, Kyle and Yost run on X-Force, Fever Pitch was exploded in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, after being injected with a bit of the legacy virus. He's apparently okay now, though. Now, it's said here that he was a gift of Gyrix. Now, we know Gyrix was killed, maybe, at the end of Sword, Volume 2. Anyway, Call Me Kate, Bishop, and Quinan awkwardly stand by, looking like they're like the tough guy lawyers in a local advertisement, and they tell some militia types that they're going to be taking the glowing skeletal mutant back with them. And so, amid some wildly unnatural-sounding dialogue, they do exactly that. Double-page spread of Roll Call and Cred. Our characters today include Call Me Kate, Bishop, Psylocke, Quinan, of course, Dakin, Dakin, Aurora without the Roll Eyes, Somnus, and Tempo. Back to comics, and we're in a weird area of Krakoa. It's actually an archipelago that the island itself didn't realize it had. Yeah, okay, sure. Um, now here, uh, Call Me Kate is using that puzzle box she got in the annual to track down... Something. Now, she assumes here that someone or something forced Krakoa to forget this... limb? Section of itself? Uh, Also, uh, Krakoa has human, or at least animalian-looking organs just under its surface. So, like, actual, like, guts. Oh, and maybe it's worth noting that Kitty mentions here that she thought Professor Xavier was a jerk. And I'll pause to allow you the time to engage in raucous laughter, and I get that referencing. Okay, that's long enough. I should probably get this out of the way here. Um, The art isn't working for me at all. Uh, Kitty kind of looks like a demented Cupid doll. It's all very off-putting. Anyway, Kitty does, you know, she safaris through this area, and she discovers Cassandra Nova digging up Krakoan organs. So much for uh, respecting this sacred land, eh? Hmm. Now, Kitty exposits a bit to describe Cassandra Nova as being, quote, Xavier's homicidal sister. Who talks like this? The answer is nobody. Anyway, we learned here, or were reminded here, that Jean Grey forcibly gave Nova the concept or the, the power of empathy, or just the feeling, the, the sensation of empathy back in X-Men Red. That is, of course, the first X-Men Red. So... Now she's all good, I guess? Hmm. From here we hop into an info page and... Oh, hell no. This is a ridiculously overwritten memo from Bishop to Kitty. I mean, there are 7,000 words on this page here. 
he's basically giving a rundown on the new look marauders it's kind of unnecessary and sounds wildly unnatural from here we hop to danger island where tempo and quinan are engaging in some exercises and they they you know engage in a little bit of tough talk as well and I really, really don't want to keep prefacing my sentences with how wildly unnatural the dis- the dialogue is, because that's going to get real old real quick. Just just assume that every time I do discuss dialogue that it is wildly unnatural and doesn't sound organic in the slightest. From here, we hop back to Cassandra Nova, as she's being visited by Jean Grey, who's wearing her fugly X-Men red costume. Nova says that she has empathy for mutants, and that mutants have absolutely nothing to fear from her. Well, we're not sure if that empathy extends to non-mutants, and I'm guessing that this is something that'll pay off eventually. From here, we hop over to the Boneyard, where Bishop and Aurora talk about Brimstone Love's torture troop, effing with Dakin, Dakin. And yeah, Aurora actually says the phrase, quote, Brimstone Love's torture troop. (sighs) Bishop reveals here that they had concocted mutant batteries with Fever Pitch's power, and uh, this is a this is kind of similar to the premise of that Wildcats 3.0 from back in the day, Joe Casey's story there that everybody said was ahead of its time, and I guess that this proves that it was. From here we go to the astral wherever the hell or whatever the hell where Somnus is facilitating a dream state where Dakin Dakin can torture Brimstone Love for years and years and years at a time. Aurora heads in so we can get some weird thruple dialogue. Oh, and uh, she has her hair in a bun, but the bun changes which side of her head it sits on in, like, every panel. I I guess maybe we used the flip canvas feature in Clip Studio and forgot to put it back. I don't know. From here, we go to the new Marauders command room, where Kate introduces the crew to their final member, the most demented of the demented Cupid dolls, Cassandra Nova. Now, Somnus takes his position on the stage to deliver his... Wildly unnatural dialogue. I'm sorry, I promised I'd stop mentioning that, but it's it's really too hard. Anyway, he needs to be filled in on who Cassie is. Which brings us to another jam-packed info page. And, and I'm not being facetious here, this sucker is full. And it's a roundtable discussion on Cassandra Nova by Dr. Nemesis, Cecilia Reyes, and Mr. Sinister. And to be fair, this might be some of the best dialogue that Orlando's written here. This is actually pretty good stuff. From here, we go back to comics, and, well, the Marauders are not keen on having Nova as part of the gang. Well, she pleads her case, basically saying that what she's done is nothing compared to what Apocalypse or Mr. Sinister are guilty of, which... uh, citation needed? I mean, she killed something like 16 million mutants during the Genosha deal, right? I'm not sure Sinister or Apocalypse have anywhere near that sort of death count. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, who's paying attention, right? Anyway, Quinan threatens to psychic knife Nova, to which Nova pretty much inserts the mental blade into her dome personally. Quinan is then convinced and confused by Nova's honesty. Now, it's here where our boring-ass mission is spelled out, and I try not to curse on this show, but uh, I really can't refer to this as anything other than Shi'ar shit. You know, it has to do with the first blood spilled note that was on that puzzle box, I think. Who cares? Uh, Now, the new Marauder then heads into space. Uh, The new Marauder, by the way, is the old mighty Morphin Mercury, right? Now, this is Somnus' first time in space, and he's pretty psyched about the experience, which is an actual, you know, normal reaction to have, so thumbs up to that. From here, we shift scenes to 
the Shi'ar, where Majestrix Zandra is being addressed by her council, who includes a gladiator, mentor, manta, and Delphos. Zandra gets a uh, dollop of the first spilled blood dealy from the puzzle box. Delphos reveals that she's actually Delphos the Red of the Kin Crimson. Okay, um, now she shows Zandra something in the form of a little ball of green light. From this, the kid Empress deduces that the Shi'ar will have to go to war with Mars Arako. Meanwhile, the Marauders continue their approach. Aurora and Tempo are sitting on the floor gleefully eating boost fruits. And, uh, you know, they kind of look like they're at a reading club in a slice-of-life high school manga or something. Uh, now these fruits are grown by Smerdyakov. Oh boy, okay, now here's another deep cut. Gregor Smirdakov first appeared in District X number 1, May 2004 cover date created by David Hine. His power is to turn into a tree. That's it. I mean, that was his power, and so that's exactly what he did, and now he grows fruit. I tell you, the Marvel Wiki randomizer is a hell of a drug. This takes us to the end of the issue, where uh, our ship is attacked by another craft, and... I mean, we get like a half dozen pages of, like, battle stations, battle stations, before wrapping up with our crew being addressed by Eric the Red. That's where we leave it. Uh, next time out, we're talking about uh, the X-Force Annual number 1. It's actually two episodes in a row discussing X-Force, so uh, we've got that to look forward to. But for now, well, let's, let's talk about this. You know, I talk a lot about uh, the line being bloated, right? You know, uh, sometimes it feels like we get these books simply because we think we're supposed to get these books. Like, Marauders as a concept, I think, kind of played itself out maybe within the first year of, uh, of you know, or the first year's worth of issues, I should say, because a lot of the times it was twice a month. So the first 12 issues or so of Marauders, I think, kind of told the story that needed to be told here. At this point, we're kind of just bleeding as much goodwill out of the readership as we can with all of these books being dropped at the same time. It just, it really feels, I don't want to say exploitative, but it just feels like eh, maybe there's too many of these things. Um, you know, I used to rail on about how the Avengers had like three or four ongoings a month. And it's said that we're at a point now where I'm looking back at that and thinking... Wow, Marvel was really restraining themselves, you know? We had Avengers, New Avengers, Avengers World, Young Avengers, Avengers Academy. We had all these books, and it was just like... That actually feels like they were restraining themselves compared to what we have here with this current um, X-Line here, because there are just way, way too many books. At least in my opinion. You know, this is all just my opinion. These are potentially, you know, just Chris problems. If you guys are enjoying the idea of the Marauders heading into space to deal with the Shi'ar, then, hey, you know, uh, that's fantastic. I just uh, wish I could uh, feel the same way. Instead, for me, this just feels like, well, we've got these characters, we have these creators, we've still got completionists, so let's, you know, let's get that $5 here. Uh, so, yeah, clearly not my favorite book, not my idea of a good time, though I am open to the, you know, possibility that I might be won over and I might come around to it. I mean, when we had uh, S.W.O.R.D. launched back after Exit 10s, I went into that preparing to, you know, fully prepared to hate it and fully prepared to feel like it was wildly unnecessary and didn't really fit 
the uh, Reign of X era or whatever era it was at the time, but that one won me over pretty quick. You know, uh, same with X Factor. We started X Factor and I hated it. I absolutely hated it. And then after the third or fourth issue, I was kind of all in on it. So you never know. Stranger things have happened, right? That said, this was kind of a weak, uh, you know, first issue outing, in, in my opinion. And, you know, I, I mentioned it several times throughout this episode. Um, I, I really can't, <laughs> I can't express enough how much I dislike the dialogue in this book. And, uh, you know, not to go off on a tangent here, but back when uh, Reggie and I were doing the Weird Science DC stuff back in the day, he was tasked with uh, reviewing a lot of the Steve Orlando books. I believe it was like uh, Justice League of America. Um, there was also Electric Warrior, maybe? I don't know. There were, there were a handful of books that Orlando wrote that Reggie would uh, have to review. And his main uh, complaint or observation about these books was the dialogue, the unnatural-sounding dialogue. And it got to the point where he mentioned it so much that it like kind of started to annoy me. And I wanted to play devil's advocate and be like, you know, it's not that bad. Then we did the Young Animal Milk Wars story, which had Orlando scripts. And, uh, well, I was forced to eat a little bit of crow and apologize for ever having doubted him because... You know, it wasn't. It wasn't great. You know, the story... I mean, the stories here aren't bad, right? This isn't a terrible story. It doesn't really speak to me since it's Shi'ar stuff. I find the Shi'ar boring. That's definitely some crisp baggage going into this. It's going to be hard to win me over with a Shi'ar story. That said, I can't say it's a bad story. Or a story that's not worth exploring. It's just not something that interests me. That said, it's it's a well-crafted story. It's just very, very hard to read. And, I mean, I'm no writer. So, I mean, I couldn't do any better, I'm sure. I'm sure my, my dialogue would be... It would basically just sound like me talking to myself over and over again. Because I can only really seem to write me. So, you know, like, all the respect in the world for putting yourself out there and, you know, writing dialogue, I, I know I couldn't do it. Uh, now, another thing that makes this a little bit difficult to read is the art. Uh, now, the art... It's similar to the writing in that Carlini can tell a story, but the characters all come across looking wildly unnatural. It's like I said during the reading, they, they all look like demented Cupid dolls. Like, but like not in a stylized way, and not in like a horror comic sort of way, but in a just not really nice to look at sort of way. Yeah, that said, you know, the story, I can follow the story. The nuts and bolts are there, it's just... The style just isn't to my liking. Now, I'm sure we're going to be talking about the characters in greater detail as we work our way through this. This really wasn't so much of a character piece. This was a table-setting issue. It's first issue, fair play. I, I don't expect deep characterization during the first issue here. We do get a little bit, you know, we get a little bit of a reminder that Kitty's got the puzzle box. We get Cassandra Nova introduced, which... I mean, kind of feels LOL randomy, but at the same time, I'm open to the possibility of this actually working. But I'll withhold commentary on that until until we get a little bit further in here, because I think there's probably several more shoes to drop. Uh, one thing I did want to mention from this issue was the idea that there's this part of Krakoa that nobody knows about, that Krakoa itself doesn't know about. Just strikes me as, unless this thing just surfaced, like right this minute, it makes absolutely no sense, right? Because, I mean, we've got X-Force, Sage, the living computer who's been connected to everything. 
We have Black Tom of the Veg, who, uh, you know, is connected to every root and earthworm <laughs> inside Krakoa. We had Wolverine surfing around the island. We've got, like, a, a weird little navy. We've got the Marauder coming in. It just seems bizarre that there's a part of this island that nobody yet knows about. And I'm not sure I necessarily buy that unless... Maybe it's just something I need to suspend disbelief on. Maybe it'll be revealed that this thing just came to the surface. I mean, back in X-Men number 2, volume 5, uh, we had a whole story about how Krakoa reattached itself to, you know, an archipelago or an atoll or whatever it was where we found the creepy summoner. It just seems as though the island would kind of be mapped out, at least roughly at this point in time, but... Whatever, we'll, we'll play along, <laughs> we will suspend disbelief, and we will uh, maintain our optimism. So I think that's about all I have to say about the issue. Clearly, clearly not my favorite book of the line here, but, you know, as I say, that's just my opinion. What I really want to know is, what do you think? Am I being too hard on this book? Am I not being hard enough on the book? Are there things I'm missing about the book? Is there something more to this Shi'ar thing that I need to pay attention to? I invite your thoughts and opinions. I would love to have those discussions. If anybody out there would like to, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can find me several different ways. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics, on Instagram at 90sXmen. You can send an email to weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com or call into the hotline at 623-396-JERK. For blog posts and show notes, you can head over to chrisisoninfiniteearths.com. You can join us on Facebook. Our little group is 90s X-Men. For the complete audio archives, you can head over to chrisandreggie.podbean.com. And, of course, that's available anywhere you find music, sound, and noise on the Internet. If you know anybody who you think might enjoy a show like this, or maybe you love to hate a show like this, please don't hesitate to invite them along on our journey toward, well, whatever it is that we're journeying toward. But I think that's where I'll put a button in it for today. I want to thank you all so much for choosing to spend some of your day with me. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya.